0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. This is episode 65. My name is Laura Diaz, welcome back. I'm happy to have you. Today's episode is all about transportation. A fun little bite-sized episode because last week we had a whole bunch of guests. Last week's episode 64, was a chic chats the first of a call-in episode series where we had five listeners of EcoSheik call in and we talked about dating and relationships and what that looks like as someone who lives a plant-based lifestyle or a low-waste lifestyle, of reared environmental activist, and what does that mean for your romantic relationships. So that episode was a whole lot of fun if you wanna go back and listen to it. So today's episode is just me. I wanna apologize. I feel like I sound a little congested probably because I am. I asked y'all recently on Instagram stories what you would be interested in hearing more of on the podcast. And something that I really understood that y'all are interested in learning about is more like climate education and tech solutions to climate change. So for that reason, I'm really excited to be talking about transportation today. Transportation is a topic that we haven't gotten like super, super deep into on the podcast before. I'm excited because 23% of energy related emissions actually come from the transportation sector. And on average, 14% of all greenhouse gas emissions annually come from transportation. There are certain countries where this is 35% of their emissions. The U.S. is much higher than 14%. But transportation is a huge, huge factor when it comes to warming our atmosphere. So I do kind of want to set the scene beforehand. There are some big issues with climate change solutions, and the transportation sector. There's currently not a lot of options for economically efficient alternative fuels. So what does this mean? There are some transportation solutions that really can only be made more efficient using existing fossil fuels. So this, like for example, would be making a car have higher miles per gallon. Of course, we have renewable energy that's becoming more and more available, and we do have electric cars, but there is a lot of innovation that has to do with the infrastructure side, so the tech of transportation. And just to let everyone know, today we are talking about passenger transportation, not freight or cargo transportation, but just like in your own personal life, how you're getting from point A to point B. And I'm also not talking today about airplane travel because there is so much to be said about airplane travel and making it more efficient when it comes to how it's warming our atmosphere. Airplane travel is actually like the worst, most carbon intensive form of transportation that a passenger can really partake in. So that could be a whole episode on its own about alternative fueling and how we can make planes lighter and quicker and things like that. So we're gonna be talking about planes on another episode, but for the purposes of today, we are talking about passenger transportation. And then also I just mentioned electric vehicles. I do wanna let y'all know that episode 29 of the podcast It's called Electric Cars, Elon Musk, and the Future of Driving. I sat down with my friend, Miles Dunlap, to talk a little bit about electric vehicles and what the future of driving really looks like. So if you're interested in getting deep into the electric vehicle space in that topic, definitely go back and give that episode a listen. I can link it in the show notes on iTunes. And then again, that was episode 29. So let's first talk about why cars are inefficient. So cars are actually driven on average, less than 4% of their lifetime. And then furthermore, the combustion engine is super inefficient. So the efficiency of a combustion engine is about 25% as of 2019. So three fourths of the gasoline that you are paying for is not even used to move your car. It's actually just lost as heat. So cars as a whole, like as a product, are inefficient because of the weight of a car. So think about how heavy a car is and how heavy you are. So what you're paying for in that gasoline is not to move your body from point A to point B, but to move your 4,000 pound car from point A to point B. So a big solution to this is increasing rideshare options. So rideshare options, so that would be like Lyft and Uber. This decreases ownership of vehicles. It increases that 4% use of a car's lifetime a little bit higher. And it ultimately reduces congestion as less people are riding on their own. And as we increase things like pool options, so Uber pool or a Lyft line, that reduces congestion pretty significantly. And it makes the passenger emissions less per person if we are getting more people in the cars to go to similar destinations. We could definitely up-level this by increasing autonomous vehicles. So these are self-driving cars. If we had self-driving cars driving for Lyft and Uber, this would, again, increase ownership, reduce congestion, and make it way more efficient to drive in cities. Autonomous vehicles could decline the American auto fleet, by 50%. So that's a number that was drawn up by Project Drawdown. Drawdown is kind of like the leading organization right now on research in terms of climate change solutions that are currently tangible. So 50% is a pretty significant number to cut American Auto in half. And this just has to do with people who are living in really well-connected cities, where pool options, ride sharing services, taxi services could be really well connected inside the cities. So autonomous vehicles, if we are to increase them, if we're more accepting of self-driving cars, we will likely accelerate the acceptance of electric vehicles into our societies because most of these autonomous vehicles are actually electric. They are not typical combustion engines. So autonomous vehicles are more efficient in terms of energy, also reduce congestion, and then also ultimately reduce greenhouse gas emissions not just as a whole, but also per passenger, which is really, really powerful. Electric vehicles are still of concern when you think about where that electricity is coming from. So if you're getting your electricity from a fossil fuel source, electric vehicles aren't a perfect solution, but electric vehicles are not emitting any additional greenhouse gases, which is a huge step up from a gasoline combustion engine. So electric vehicles right now produce about half of the emissions of a conventional car, assuming those emissions are coming from a typical mainstream fossil fuel powered grid system. So if an electric vehicle can be powered by solar energy, the CO2 emissions of that car are 95% less than the typical vehicle. So this is really, really significant. Like think if we are going from a regular combustion engine to a solar powered electric vehicle, there is almost no emissions by comparison. So that's super, super powerful to think about. Electric vehicles are also super efficient because they're simpler to make. Like they don't have all those moving parts in an engine, that can break down. So longer term, there's way less maintenance involved in electric vehicles. So you could also think about it like Teslas don't have model years. It's just one car that can be updated and improved remotely as the software changes. So this reduces the amount of cars that you have to buy in your lifetime. Electric vehicles are thus helping with waste and the affordability of transportation. Plus a big concern used to be the range between charging stations. So this is actually called range anxiety, how far a car can go on a single charge. And the average distance in the United States between electric vehicle charging stations is only about 12 miles. So I know I personally have seen them in the middle of nowhere, like teeny tiny desert towns in Utah, things like that. So really casually tucked away where you least expect them. It's really not any concern to find an electric vehicle charging station if you're driving across the country. So all of that is more like one-on-one transportation. So now public transportation, let's talk about the high-speed rail. High-speed rail is the fastest way to travel, even compared to flying and conventional trains and of course driving. So high-speed rail reduces the emissions associated with travel by up to 90% because a lot of high-speed rail systems are powered almost exclusively by electricity. And as renewable energy becomes a bigger part of the grid, the energy source for high-speed rail is going to just get cleaner and cleaner. So there is a big drawback. High-speed rail is super expensive to develop just to put in the infrastructure to support these high-speed rail systems, to build the trains, things like that. And because it's so expensive, you need really high ridership, so participation, So for that reason, there's only specific places where high-speed rail really makes sense in terms of transportation related emissions solutions. So China actually has the most high-speed rail lines. More than 50% of the world's high-speed rail is in China and Japan and Western Europe also have really well-developed high-speed rail systems that are just getting bigger and increasing in participation. So similar to high-speed rail, but different is the Hyperloop. Hyperloop is not yet a totally viable, active climate change solution, but the Hyperloop is a really great option looking forward that is very much in development currently. So the Hyperloop is basically a connection of pods. So these pods are going to move you between cities at like really, really incredible speeds up to 760 miles per hour. So the Hyperloop would cut down travel time between Los Angeles and San Francisco to just 35 minutes and would also cost the equivalent of a bus ticket. So a really, really attractive solution, super fast and super inexpensive. So the way it works basically is that Hyperloops are levitated by magnets, and then further powered by solar and wind. So Hyperloop is essentially a zero emissions transportation option. And there is a super low energy requirement. There's actually 90, 95% less energy to move a passenger compared to airplanes or trains, or again, of course, cars. So there's way less energy to move the individual person. And that's a really attractive climate change solution. The speed of Hyperloop is the really enticing part. It makes it super attractive to take public transportation versus a personal vehicle or even an airplane. This is still very much in beta testing. There are several companies working on creating a super complete, fully operational Hyperloop system. They're not up to that dream of 760 miles per hour yet. They're currently like 350 miles per hour, which is still really, really great. So Hyperloop is something that's coming up on the horizon. So we've talked about electric vehicles, we've talked about autonomous vehicles, we've talked about trains in the form of high-speed rail, but also in the form of Hyperloop, shorter distances between cities. There are quite a lot of other climate change solutions. I mentioned airplanes a little bit earlier being a huge, huge space for innovation when it comes to climate change solutions. But in terms of airplanes, I just want to give a brief overview. We just need to really look at increasing technologies to reduce the fuel that's required for airplane travel. And then as we look at other forms of travel, we can talk about bikes. So bike share programs are becoming more and more prominent across the country, and they are already very, very prominent in Europe and around the world. We'd be thinking about making cities more bikeable. So that's more of a city planning solution when it comes to transportation emissions. But also on the city side of things, something that a lot of people don't realize is a very Powerful climate change solution, actually, in terms of reducing emissions in the city level, is having people pay for parking. This is kind of a wild card, but people don't think about it. If you are forcing people to pay for parking, they are less likely to want to drive to whatever that area is if it is within walking or biking distance, or it'll just encourage them to take a rideshare option. So it reduces congestion, it reduces the pollution in that particular area. Air pollution is a huge, huge, human health drawback to the transportation emissions that we're looking at today. But actually paying for parking is an awesome climate change solution from a city planning perspective. And then other things that we can talk about in terms of transportation might be ships. So just using shipping, again, more like cargo related activities, use less fuel longer term. So there's no like super attractive innovations being made yet on the ship side of things. Also just reducing the need for transport in general. So things like holding telecommunication type meetings, replacing flying for business meetings with just more like Skype related technologies, things like that are all climate change solutions in terms of transportation. So reducing the need for transportation in the first place is a really great way to look at it. You know how they say reduce, reuse, recycle. That's a hierarchy, you know, we want to recycle as a last resort and we want to reduce our consumption of particular products, transportation we can look at the same way. It's way more efficient just to cut down transportation altogether across the board, as opposed to constantly looking for more and more solutions. But that being said, there are some really, really cool solutions coming out right now in terms of transportation. And I am personally a huge believer that we can move towards our climate goals quickly, efficiently if we're investing and supporting the right companies and supporting the right technologies. So that's all that I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this quick little episode about transportation and technologies up and coming in terms of climate change solutions. I had a lot of fun. I think this is always a fun topic to get into because transportation is, again, such a huge part of our global greenhouse gas emissions and just our concerns when it comes to climate change. There's so much innovation to be made. And there's a lot of really interesting research and technology and development that's going on right now with a lot of these different solutions so i hope that you enjoyed that i encourage you to look into any of these things if they're available in your city in your region whatever if you enjoyed this episode of eco chic do not forget to please leave a rating and a review on itunes i so appreciate it it gives me a lot of really good feedback and i just love talking to y'all if you want to get in touch Instagram is usually the easiest way. You can find me at Eco Chic Podcast or my personal pages at Lori E. Diaz. Both are always linked in the show notes below. And then you can also send me an email via laorediaz.com, also in the show notes. But with that, I hope you have an awesome day. I will see you here next week. Seeking the truth never gets old.